The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. It's interesting to me that those words were written by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because his heart was broken. You see, the people that he loved, the people of Judah, had forsaken God for pagan practices. They had neglected the service to the true and living God and had exchanged that for false gods and for idolatry. And Jeremiah's heart was broken. In fact, the book which he wrote, not only the book of Jeremiah itself, but this book, the book of Lamentations, is a book of lament over his sadness and sorrow for what he saw in his people. But you know, that story of brokenheartedness is not really confined to Jeremiah. In fact, it's true throughout Scripture. Because you see, the story of Scripture is the story of God who makes and keeps promises and his dealings with people who make and break promises. Yes, David, <laughs> we do break promises. God keeps them, we break them. It's interesting to me as you read Scripture that from the very beginning, God has been one who makes promises for the blessings and benefits of his people. And he always keeps them. To Adam and Eve. To Noah and his family. To Abraham and Sarah. To Moses and the people of Israel. In fact, you could scarcely turn to a single page of your Bible and not find a promise of God designed to benefit and bless his people. Because you see, God makes promises and God keeps those promises. In Psalm chapter 119, verses 89 and 90, the psalmist said, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. One of the many examples that we could reference to illustrate God's making and keeping promises would be the story of Joshua and his leading the people of Israel into the promised land. There's that word. The promised land. God had made the promise to Abraham centuries before. But because God keeps promises, it's time to enter the land. And Joshua is the one chosen to lead the people into the land. They've conquered the land. They've continued in the process that God had begun in them. They've settled in the land. And now Joshua wants to deliver a final address to the people. Joshua chapter 23. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all of their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all of Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, 
And he said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all of your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Joshua encouraged these people because our God makes promises and keeps promises. We've seen in our own experience that all of those promises have been kept. All of those promises have been fulfilled. Not one of them has been left unfulfilled. That was the experience Joshua had. And I would suggest that's the experience that I've had. And I don't think I'm alone. I think we share that experience. God keeping the promises. You know, when we, when we talk about making a promise, we say that we're giving someone what? I give you my my word. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the Apostle John describes Jesus as God's word? In John chapter 1, John said, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that's been made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Don't you see, God has given his word, his promise. And it's not just a verbal assent. It's personified in the life, the humanity, the death, burial, and resurrection of his own son, his word, Jesus Christ. God gave his word. That's how serious he is about making promises and about keeping promises. Unfortunately, from the beginning, while God has made promises and kept those promises for the benefit and blessings of his people, we, his people, have abandoned that trust. We've made promises. And then we have forgotten. We have made promises and broken those promises. And therefore breached the relationship that God desires to have with us. You remember just a few minutes ago, we read from Joshua chapter 23 where Joshua said not one of all the good promises that God made has failed. They've all been fulfilled. Not a single one of them has failed. And so the response he suggests is that we too make a promise and take that promise seriously. Joshua chapter 24 beginning with verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. 
But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve, whether the gods of the forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, the problem is you're not able to serve the Lord. Far be it from us, they said, to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. You are not able to serve the Lord, he said. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive you your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end to you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua said, your witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, yes, we are witnesses. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord and obey him. One page. One page. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. One page. <laughs> you ever feel like you just turned one page in your Bible and you've forgotten, or in your life and you've already forgotten? God, I'm a witness to myself that I will serve you all the days of my life. And then tomorrow comes. And you forget. It's frustrating, isn't it? We want better. We mean better. But it's frustrating. Joshua told the people, you can't serve God. Who are you fooling? Who do you think you are? Do you think you can really do this? Oh yeah, we can do it. We can do it. We're, we're on it. One page. One page. Judges chapter 2. And the people had forgotten altogether. Now that's not an Old Testament, Old Testament phenomenon. In fact, it's as current, it's as modern, it's as relevant as today. That's what John said in his first epistle. This is the message that we've heard from him and we declare to you that God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And if we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his truth is not in us. And as if that weren't enough, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7. 
if you have to pick out a hero from Scripture, surely Paul would be near the top of your list. Surely you would, you would think that, that Paul would be someone that you could pattern your life after, that you could find in Paul an example. And in fact, to the Corinthians, Paul said, be an example of me as I also am, or, 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 or be a follower of me even as I also am of Christ. So Paul recognized that he had chosen to live his life in a way worthy of being mimicked, modeled. But that doesn't mean that Paul didn't have struggles. You see, Paul made promises, and he broke them. In Romans chapter 7, he, he's having a conversation sort of with himself. He's sort of thinking out loud. And here's what he says, beginning with verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law in my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Seems pretty bleak. Paul said, I'm trying. I'm trying. But, but I don't understand. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that's the very thing that I do. What's up with that? Because I'm trying. I'm committed here. I'm all in. And I make promises and, and I, I, I really mean those promises, but, but I keep breaking those promises. How could I possibly be rescued from that schizophrenic spirituality? <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of faith. I love you. I forget you. I'll do anything for you. I've forgotten about you. How do those things go together? And is there any way any way that things can be okay. You remember where we started? We've come full circle. <laughs> remember where we started? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, brokenhearted. As he reflects upon the waywardness of the people, their broken promises, you remember what else he remembered? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Apostle Paul came to the same conclusion. Because at the end of verse 25 in Romans chapter 7, when he said, what a wretched man I am, who will save me from this body of death? He gives the answer. Thanks be to God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Closing, I'd like to mention uh, five thoughts that uh, 
about the promises of God and how they might apply to us today. Uh, not many things are more comforting than a promise made and kept. Not many things are more hurtful than a promise broken. Knowing we worship a God who keeps his promises is a source of deep joy and comfort for each of us. Uh, number one, God loves us unconditionally. Uh, we live in a sinful world with conditional promises and relationships. Even those closest to us let us down at times. We want to be loved and loved with a perfect, sacrificial, forever kind of love in spite of our faults by someone who loves us unconditionally. Along with that, we want to be supported and inspired to do better in our Christian lives, our walk for our own well-being, and to leave a lasting positive impression on this earth many years after we have passed on. Number two, we are redeemed and have an eternal home in heaven. Psalm 121 describes God as unfailing, as the being that has power and authority over all. We worship a God who never leaves us and desires a relationship with us, both in this life and beyond, which is exampled through Old and New Testament alike. We have been blessed with the promise through faith in Jesus Christ. This redemption plan was Christ's assignment, all done in love, John 3.16. God wants us to be with him, not only now, but in the future, with him eternally. Number three, this one really uh, always hits home with me because I'm always encouraged by what is around me, not just by other Christians, not by those I love, but creation in its whole. We are redeemed, and I'm sorry, God formed us with intention. I like that word intention. We as Christians should like that word as intention because while we're all striving at the same goal, we all are set apart differently and uniquely in God's creation. It's important for us to remember that. I think many people get lost in not really knowing what their purpose is. Uh, as Christians, we have no excuse for that. Uh, we see the world around us. We see creation. We see the handiwork of God in our everyday lives. At least we should. Our fingerprint is like no other. Our features, our personalities are each one unique. With our unique features and our personalities, we look at things differently. We approach life in varying ways. With those unique characteristics, we also may struggle with different things and the way we deal with others. However, beyond our struggles, within or without, our work is good enough, and I emphasize good enough, only through the cleansing of Christ's blood on our behalf. In spite of our broken promises to God and each other, God is faithful. And I think, well, it's hard to commit to something if you really don't uh, have any background on what you believe in or have any faith in it. And I got to thinking of some different commitments. Thought about our my wedding day with Karen. If 
if I had made a promise to Karen and we had just started dating, other than maybe what someone around us might have to say about Mark West, might be a little questionable how well that promise was going to last. Uh, uh, so I say that because we need to be looking for God, his handiwork, his proof of our every, in touching our lives in every way. And that's where we get our positive from. I was at a, been at many, several weddings this year. Uh, I was at a wedding yesterday and the minister, I thought it was neat how he inserted it. And if you haven't caught on by now, I'm big on creation and talking about the things around us that are obvious. But uh, in his comments during the wedding, he said, uh, the God of creation, the God of responsible for everything around us, including the earth we walk on. And I think that sums it up pretty good. So I think we look for, a, as in the Old Testament, we look for some background. We look how God's plan has progressed through the Old Testament into the New Testament. That promise uh, gives us a background of what, what we can fairly expect. I kind of thought it crossed my mind, and my mind goes some strange places sometimes, so please forgive me, but I thought if God had a credit report, his score, his score would be high. His score would be high. Um, and you could bank on that. You could, you could bank on that promise. So that's what I'm going to do. I'll give God, I don't even know what the best credit score is. Let's give him a 1,000. I've never seen a 1,000 on any credit score. <laughs> um, God's plan for your life is to prosper you, not to harm you. Um, I think that's important for some of us too. We look at, oh, what am I going to get in trouble for? Did God cause that? Uh, probably not. Things just happen sometimes, and it's very unfortunate for some people it happens more than others. Uh, but we need to somehow be encouraged, encourage each other, and continue on. Our world knows brokenness and sin. However, we know through Christ's death and resurrection we know hope and restoration. In Psalm 103, there are many benefits listed that God wants us to realize. God is invested in our well-being and he wants us to continuously lean on him for renewal, wholeness, and healing. Our dependence on God and recognizing his promises daily to us is crucial for our lives. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. And then finally, we have a special strength available to us through our faith. The best and only resource available to each of us is the power of Christ. Philippians 4.13, God will never call you to a place and leave you unattended. I like that. Be assured that the God who who's has, has the hairs on our head is... Uh, boy, I missed that in spell check. <laughs> uh, be sure that the God that has your hairs of your head numbered um, is fighting for each of us. Be assured of that. His favor will surround us like a shield. We have an insurmountable ally in our God. Romans 8.31 if God is for us, who can be against us? And then finally, Hebrews 10, 23. 
Let us hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. So this morning, I'd like you to think about what Landon has shared with you and what I've said um, about our promises that we have available to us in our everyday lives and also the promise of forgiveness uh, when we mess up and know that that's a steadfast love that despite what happens to us or what we may cause, that there's always forgiveness through Christ's Son for us.